0: This is the Pilgrim's Digress. We are the Pilgrim's in question digressing. I am Zachary Bartles, and this is the sage one, not to my left this time, but a- across from me. Yeah, as um, equals. So that we don't, like, look away from our mics a lot while we, while we try to make eye contact. Uh, Mr. Sagacity is his name. It's on his birth certificate. We are talking about chapter 20 today of the Pilgrim's Progress, as we have numbered them, and I'm going to come right out the gate and explain that just a little changes have been made in order. Um, We've got these guys going right from the kind of bliss of that Sabbath day rest that they get after leaving uh, the Doubting Castle to talking about little faith, and I, of course, then as I have been trying to do, had to take a kind of flashback, a reference back, and show not tell. That's, mm-hmm. that's become, since Bunyan's day, undoubtedly, a real uh, kind of vanguard of writing fiction. He talks about, as they discuss Little Faith and these three robbers, how he has contended with them, he fought with these three robbers, and it was difficult, and yet we never see him do it. It implies that there's a lot of stuff maybe happening to Christian on his walk that we're not privy to, hmm. right? I, and, and maybe this isn't exhaustive. Maybe this isn't his whole life. Maybe part two could have just been like other stories from Christian's life. Sure. Because yeah. they haven't all been related. But uh, I have the day start with him going to, you know, it's he's feeling good. He's feeling safe. Yeah. He goes to gather some berries so they can have a nice little breakfast and look at the mountains together. Those strawberries. You got to go after those wood strawberries. And instead he uh, finds... Guilt, deep doubt, and faint heart. Mm -hmm. These are the same guys who jumped Little Faith, took his spending money, but didn't get his scroll, didn't get his jewels, and uh, they attack Christian. And they find him a little bit harder of a a mark than Little Faith was. Yeah. What do you think of the battle as portrayed? Is it too easy for Christian, given how he talks about it later? I kind of was thinking it might have been.
1: I think though coming out of like the depths of despair, and still having promise ringing as the key, no, you know he's been through it. It would have been interesting maybe if they're the ones that push them off the road, but of course that's not what that's not how Bunyan wrote it. But I think that having a hard fought inward battle that he's just come out of makes this makes this outward one. He he knows what you know where these people are going to push him right? They're going to try and take assurance from him. They're going to try and take his jewels from him if they can find them. And they're probably going to leave him back to despair because that's where these things will lead you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, he has to fight tenaciously tooth and nail. He has to fight dirty, right? Um, He has to, you know, sever the leg if that's what's presented in these moments. Um, So I think it's right on.
0: Yeah, 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 fighting dirty in mm-hmm. sanctification, I think, is something you learn early on. Yeah, that uh, there's going to be an opening. And you know, in another podcast I did uh, called Give Sin a Body Bag, which I encourage you to yeah. check out, uh, it, it was in, especially if you're into the Karate Kid and its spinoffs. I played this World War II era training video that was basically designed entirely. To get young men who have been taught their whole lives to, to play fair and fight fair mm-hmm. and never hit a man when he's down or hit below the belt to go, no, when we're dealing with these, these German soldiers, a thumb in the eye is good. Stabbing yeah. them in the back is good. Basically telling them this, this is not going to be won by us playing by the rules. Yeah. And the, you know, if there's an opening, you take it. And the same thing is true with sanctification and when you read that there is a way out presented you know it's been translated a way of escape and things but in my mind you have that promise that there's when you are faced and whether it's temptation to sin or temptation to despair Mm -hmm. or to just hand yourself over to a sense of doubt and unbelief uh or to be faint-hearted yeah cowardice is a sin And we forget that, you know, and whatever that temptation is, you look for the way out and it might be a way to escape and get out of that place and you're no longer tempted or it might be a weakness of that temptation. It might be, wait, my sword's right here and that guy's leg is right here. Yeah. And there it goes. Uh, You you don't wait until everyone's back on their feet. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, a pretty accurate picture of when I've had success in the Christian life. It has been, Lord, show me where I can find any advantage and press it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And,
0: and so this fight is, yeah, it's kind of dirty, and, and it's kind of a knockdown drag-out fight. Not, not a, uh, you know, two guys with swords dueling, like in the movie, swashbuckling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he goes back, and that, in our telling, is what prompts this discussion of Little Faith. A story that he heard when he was getting all this teaching and information in the Palace Beautiful. Uh, rather than yet another guy that they knew. Now, that's how I present it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hopeful is just learning about it all. Of course, in the original, the discussion of Little Faith is prompted by the story of turn away, because they see Turnaway, and mm-hmm. then they talk Little Faith. So I, I've just re- rearranged things a bit. Then we have them reach the Shepherds, and then we have them going on and uh, encountering the Flatterer. So not much, not much changed here, um, and a lot of texts to look at. So... Shall we get started? Let's do it. Of course, we've already pretty much talked through the idea of Little Faith um, in the vignettes, and you can go back and listen to that. Vignettes part one, uh, we, we kind of told the whole story, took apart uh, both the folly of what he does yeah. and the fact that in dealing with people who struggle in that same way, we have to be very careful and very kind and compassionate. And in an interesting kind of reversal of roles here, hopeful- kind of goes after this guy and christian yep. defends him mm-hmm. uh and hopeful is basically saying like these three are cowards they're nothing i mean they yep. run away because someone's coming up the road he should have been more stout-hearted he should have he should have just plucked up his courage and fought them yeah like i would have done
1: but he didn't do it with the giant despair
0: right yes so, right you know and, and, and christian says yeah i mean i've that's where I was this morning. Easy to and say. Until you've been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that uh, some of the more interesting stuff that he brings up is that this is the same trio of brothers who took down David, mm-hmm. the great warrior king, who took down the the prince of the apostles, Peter, who was willing to draw his sword and say, okay, bring on the mob one at a time all at once. I don't care. Yeah. I'm here to chop off ears and you know, give out tic-tacs and I'm all out of tic-tacs, yeah. right? And, and yet- when a servant girl comes in the company of faint heart and guilt and doubt, suddenly he folds like a card table. Right. So it's one thing to say to yourself, you know, like we were just talking about a television show uh, that I was watching where guys get dropped off in the woods. And on yet another podcast uh, that I host, a buddy of mine and I at length discussed how we thought we'd do mm-hmm. if we were dropped off. In the wilderness, and, you know, we had to survive off the land and fight off the predators. And, yeah. And we realized very quickly how laughable it was. Mm. Not being there, you have no idea. Uh, and I've not been there. You've, you've much more than, than I lived off land and, and, you know, spent many days in the, you know, sleeping under the stars. I did and, it f-
1: three days.
0: Three days. And right, right, Tarp.
1: Tarp. Yeah, tarp and knife. It's day and a half
0: out, day and a half back in.
1: Yeah, well, it was just kind of out in the wilderness, and and you knew geographically whether people were. I was underage. There was, you know had to be safety safety guidelines, but yeah, in order to get um, into the OA, um, order of the arrow. Yeah, uh, the the last test you have to do is three days of silence by yourself, and you're typically doing like trail work or something like that by yourself. And then, uh, yeah, no food, and you just have a tarp and a knife, and you'd slept.
0: Dude, I think threes. you would crush it on a loan.
1: I think I could do probably exactly three days, because I
0: remember oh. being— it, <laughs> You were at your wits' end at the saying, end. I remember saying, yeah, you know. <laughs> so you know your limits. Hopeful speaking out of ignorance, which yeah. is interesting, because they're going to encounter ignorance soon. Uh, but he's, he's saying, I, I mean, what's the big deal? Fight him. And— I love when Christian says, you know, like poor heart, this poor guy, like I feel for him and he gets offended at the comparison of little faith to Esau. You know, right. why couldn't he have, have pawned his jewels, even if they're the most precious thing to him, Esau sold his birthright for, you know, a pot of this porridge. And he says, yeah, but show me in the scripture where if Esau had any faith, little faith has a little faith. It was appointed to little faith to have only a little faith, yet by means of his little faith, he was kept from many extremes. Right. Don't downplay someone's smaller faith, mm. especially when Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, look what you can accomplish. Yeah. Uh, he asks, you know, if... When David was fighting Goliath, what if you had brought a toddler in? You know, what, mm. if, what if you'd brought in uh, a child to fight amongst David's mighty men? The fact that they would have been summarily disemboweled doesn't mean that they were worthless. Yeah. They were just younger. They were weaker.
1: Well, and some of the context to that Christian's argument is that even even God's great champion, right, great grace, has scars. Yeah. And that he's, he's actually done battle with you know these three, and just uh,
0: of life in the midst of it mm-hmm.
1: uh, and that's and that's the thing that they're scared of, you know, uh, because they want to run as soon as they hear him, you know, you know coming down the path. So you know like even the thing that they're scared of, they're still able to at least damage or do battle against. And yeah, a bit of humility in a lot of things will go a long way for Christians, I think, that we're not always pretending like we've been in every person's shoes. Mm-hmm. We've been in every single temptation. We, um, and we have all the answers and we know how to handle it. And And this worked for me, or this software worked for me, or this program worked for me.
0: Hands down, the only way to do it, it's existed for at least 20 years of yeah. the, the 2000 the church has been on the earth. Yeah. And when you talk about Great Grace having scars and like the fact that he's not impervious yeah. uh, and no one is impervious to these three, you think about uh, there's that moment after defeating Apollyon. Where in what I think is a very cool soliloquy, but some like truly reformed and true Protestants at their core don't like when he (laughs) talks about uh, great Michael coming to his aid. Uh, I don't know why we can't talk about angels coming to our aid when it's throughout the scripture uh, seems to be a reality. But he talks about Michael, the archangel, uh, you know, kind of being at his right hand. And yet... What does it say in Jude? When Michael the archangel contended with Satan over the body of Moses, Moses, he did not dare speak blasphemies against him. I'm paraphrasing, but I think I'm pretty close, but instead said, "The Lord rebuke you." And if Michael, this this greatest of all the angelic warriors is not going to be cocky mm. about, you know, winning spiritual battles, obviously this leads us into be careful anyone who thinks he stand lest he fall. Yeah. The moment you think you've got your your two you know you're you're the tub standing on its own bottom, to quote sloth, <laughs> right. uh, you're going to tip yeah. over and spill. Uh, so the discussion gets a little bit catty. Mm-hmm. There's there's sure an insult. Does.
1: There is an interesting insult. That <laughs> I, love it. I really yeah.
0: yeah. Hold on, let me find the original language. Oh, and you know what? This is the version I had printed out. Has got some updated language, so I won't have it. Do you have mine's the... also updated? Language. Okay, yeah. I think what it says is you are like one hold on let me let me even just google it i think we've all been there i found i found the text <laughs> you know when you were in junior high kids said mean things yeah you know a lot a lot of bullies would would kind of look at you and they'd be like what can i say that would just eviscerate you yeah and uh, i think someone has said to each of us thou talkest like one upon whose head is the shell to this very day
1: if i had a dime <laughs> every time i heard that growing up
0: <laughs> You'd have no dimes. I'd be exactly
1: where I am right now. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But obviously it, it smarts. Very hopeful. And it's, it makes a little riff temporarily between them. Uh, and, and as we were talking about earlier, Christian doesn't even apologize when he's like, no. why are you so yeah. sharp or whatever he says? Uh, uh, Christian basically says, no, 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 don't, don't get the wrong idea. It's a compliment. All I said is you remind yeah. me of some of those brisker birds that run to and fro. I mean, yeah, <laughs> let's get past that to the actual topic of debate. And you'll see that I'm right. And all will be fine between you and me. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Another instance of a kind of a lack of humility there, maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, and on the part of this, find this older Christian, mm-hmm. right? That that he should be the quickest to say, "Let's make sure that my brother doesn't have anything against me. Mm. Let me, let me even maybe I'm in the right, but not point that out and that idea make is, a big deal out of
1: it. That idea is common, though, right? The older needing needing the younger to know their place. You see it obviously. Timothy was having those issues. Right. Because Paul explicitly has to say, don't let anyone as a because of your age look down on you and, you know, discount you because it's a common thing, I think. And it probably goes both ways. It's probably really also common that younger people aren't showing the respect that they ought to for their elders, because those warnings Paul has to write, too, about how how we correct older people. Both of
0: you are in danger. The Mm. young man and the old man, the young woman and the old woman. You need to be careful that you do not discount someone. Yeah. Because, and and I mean, you almost can understand it more with the older man because he can remember being the young man. Yeah. And he remembers how he thought he had all the answers and then later learned that he didn't.
1: I have no memory of being an old man.
0: Right. Yeah. We haven't been there yet. I mean, I, I I'm well, getting a little bit, eh, shut up. I'm, I'm 44, man. Come on. Um, but there's <laughs> a little gray in the temples, but you look good. I, I get carded once in a while. So I would card you. <laughs> You'd card me. Thank yeah. you, buddy. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like the idea that you don't have anything to contribute when clearly mm. without hopeful Christian's done at this point. He doesn't even make it this far. He's already killed himself. He's killed himself. He's gone with other people mm-hmm. he shouldn't have gone with. He's screwed. And of course, if it hadn't been for a Christian, Hopeful would have gone up to, you know, look at the, the Hill Lucre and mm-hmm. been pushed down into the mine and yep. died. So, yeah, these, these guys need each other. And at the moment the enemy can, you know, make the house turn against itself so yep. that it cannot stand, he has won. Yep. That's always going to be number one tactic of the enemy in the church. Try and drag people away from sound doctrine, and try to divide the church. Usually, over the issue of sound doctrine. Right. But if it can be over something even foolish and silly, all the better, right? Mm. If, if you can divide, you know, you hear churches the dividing carpet, over whether Adam and Eve right. had belly buttons or sure. whatever. You say sure. color of carpet, color a carpet. That's happened, it's yeah. a common,
1: yeah, one you hear in especially small independent Baptist churches and things right. like that. You hear, oh well, what color are we going to paint the nursery? You know, well, I think, I think church green is split whorish. coming, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Silly, though. Silly, though, and not expressive of the love that we're supposed to share because we're sharing in the blood of Christ together to let something small and earthly and unimportant largely come between us. I think also is really exposes how well you know Christ. I understand
0: that in the underground church in China, churches often split over the color of carpet. Yeah, it happens all the time. The color of whatever, like rug they happen to find in the alley and so they can worship
1: music just quite isn't yeah
0: right worship wars
1: it's not bringing in the youth we gotta
0: (laughs) the fact that that's funny because Mm. it's so sad like really highlights the issue though that that and i think i mean i'm not one of these guys that's like oh the church is being persecuted like never before in the west right but i think we can agree that we're in a season of general hostility toward the gospel and increasing hostility toward the church.
1: And unity matters more than it ever has. We're
0: going to yeah. learn quick, aren't mm-hmm. we? Yeah. And, and those people, I think, who would be quick to divide over nothing are going to disappear. They're going to mm. say, well, I can't. I'm not going to stick around and be treated this way. Right. And those who are going to cling to the cross of Jesus and say, I don't even want to you know, reject you or break fellowship with you over something serious like Baptism, believers versus infant, or yeah. you know, something. As long as we all say salvation by the death and resurrection of Jesus, grace alone, faith alone. Let's let's just hold tight to each other, and Christian and faithful get there, and they rediscover it again and again. I think mm. uh, every time they they kind of tend toward turning against each other, it's reinforced for them. Without each other, we're in trouble. Yeah. From there, then they do arrive at the beautiful, delectable mountains. Uh, delectable again, not meaning tasty here. Yeah, I almost changed it, and then I was like, no, it's such a cool sounding title, mm-hmm. and there's not really any reason to change it. I think we got to change Beulah Land because it sounds like just like full of grandmas. This is Grandma <laughs> City, right? And I love grandmas,
1: well, but, but a, oh. Beulah
0: Land is for everyone. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) And you start looking at the Hebrew and stuff, and I don't know, we might have to just keep Beulah Land, because I don't know what else to call it. There
1: is a, uh, there's a hymn about Beulah's Land. Sweet Beulah's Land. We sang
0: that at my church in Grand Rapids week Mm -hmm. after week after week. Can I tell you something? Yeah. You you know, this is transparent. I hate it. I hate that song so much. (laughs) I hate that song so much.
1: C3 right now. Yeah, so <laughs> transparent dude. this. <laughs> strong words. I think I've heard it maybe twice, and I remember it. I'm all for the historic songs that have, you know, carried saints along the way. But, I mean, maybe we can.
0: I think that one might be more of a 1950s. Maybe we kind can of cut theme. some of these out. It's like one of those fago pop commercials where everybody just puts their arms around each other and sways back and forth. If that's your favorite hymn, uh, we don't mean to offend. No need to send an email. Strong, strongly worded email that that Mr. Sagacity and I are like those upon whose heads the shell I was saying, remains. But, but to maybe, his...
1: maybe you should check in the mirror on the top of your head and see yeah. if there's a shell. Yeah, because you're wrong.
0: Yeah. At any rate, when they arrive, they find along the highway side some shepherds, and uh, we've got Luke two eight given as a text, but that's just about shepherds watching their flocks by night. These shepherds are there uh, to watch their flocks. Yes. Now, we've mentioned earlier, of course, that uh, this is one place in which the analogy, as presented, has a little glitch in the matrix where (laughs) these sheep are said to be the the sheep for which the the good shepherd died. Mm -hmm. And we go, wait a minute. Yeah, They represent something which we already have here, which is people for whom the good shepherd died, yeah. uh, Christian and hopeful among them. Uh, I, I tried to keep the shepherds and the sheep because the shepherds are important. Yeah. But minimize that and kind of mitigate that problem by having them just emphasize <laughs> these guys, they, they hear the shepherd's voice. Uh-huh. They come, they know that he will be the good shepherd and lead them beside still waters and into green pastures and all the rest and kind of gloss over. Them representing something that's already present as such in some the story.
1: kind of weird Nebuchadnezzar, but like reversed, bunch of humans out there grazing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, but there's it's not is, a curse, I guess you're right, but it's not is, a curse, is there's it? There's some biblical yeah. precedent for that, yeah. Uh, in that, uh, you, you have an eagle man, yeah. Nebuchadnezzar, he gets feathered hair like it's the yeah, 80s, digging around he's there, he's got claws, yeah. he's he gets digging, he's. yeah that's a troubling image though and this is a nice one this is a very nice because they're now going to soon be within sight of the gates of the celestial city yeah and even though there are some unpleasant things to see uh it's it's going to be mostly good
1: yeah when they approach and they ask you know whose mountain is this and the shepherds answer these mountains are emmanuel's land um, they are within sight of his city and the sheep also are his he laid down his life for them A quotation there is John 10 11 through15.
0: Good shepherd stuff there uh, Also uh, frequently proof texted by Calvinists right mm. um, but yep. we I think that anytime any text becomes just a proof text for a doctrine mm. uh, it's been abused and misused. Even if we're not twisting it, meaning returning it from its, its original meaning, it's a beautiful picture. Would you read that for us? Do you have that? John 10, what, 11 through 15?
1: Yep. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, even as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep.
0: After which then, of course, they ask uh, if they're going the right direction and they say, yes, how far do you have to go? And this is where we get into these shepherds being a little bit uh, inscrutable and mysterious uh, hmm. and reminding me a bit of uh, one interpreter. And of course, I, I have him say that. You remind me yeah. of the interpreter and he says, yeah, that's my it's my brother. Uh, and hmm. uh, he used to be one of our shepherds here until he was called there. And I think it's a, a fitting picture. You know, sometimes. You have people who are ministering primarily to those who are near the end of the road. Sure, you know, especially early in ministry. For some reason, older congregations tend to get younger preachers. Probably partially because um, they can not afford somebody kind of quote unquote in their prime <laughs> and also partially providentially because then the older saints can be patient and help continue to train and build up that preacher. Yeah. And at some point he was called to go back and now minister to those who are kind of clueless about the way, mm-hmm. who have just gone through that wicked gate. Goodwill said, hey, look to the the side of the road up ahead and you'll find the interpreter. And he's giving them kind of this initial catechism, uh, yeah. catechesis. I don't... I, I mean, that's all that's all my uh, invention, but did it not remind you of the interpreter when they started doing the the wonders?
1: Yeah. Well, that's what's interesting is that in my reading of it, the interpreter had always kind of been the Holy Spirit, though. Really? Uh, he's, he's he's revealing these scriptural truths early on to the Christian, advancing him in knowledge, um, giving him new understanding of, obviously, images that he has read in scripture before. Um and 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 kind of uh, and kind of securing him in the way. Um, yeah,
0: my, my reading had always been that he was a, a minister. Um, somebody the who magic wasn't the evangelist who initially preached the gospel, but someone who was right. starting to teach some of these initial things. That's interesting. Um in my mind now, we've, we have if you're a patron, you heard us ranting about modalism at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, it wouldn't lean into modalism, but I, I wonder about if Bunyan portrays the third person of the Trinity as just like this old guy at the beginning that they just bump into once and then walk away from.
1: Well, they have one experience in a church, right? Or a Christian does, right? Even though we know that that'd be an experience that they should be. Having
0: well, the interpreter's house, the palace, beautiful, right? All, all here again. I all think at the, once. Uh-huh, I think yeah. you know,
1: and you go. Well, does it really just happen once? Right. You so know? you're saying
0: perhaps the interpreters with them all the time, in the, a sense,
1: or the images and the teachings and the leadings of the interpreter are with them at all times. Of course, what my position kind of has to fall out is that placing the spirit as the main pusher. Right, he's the main pusher that starts regeneration. He's already working in Christian. In the city of destruction. Though. Yeah. yeah. Right, 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 right. He put the, him, um, yes. the pack on his back, the bird exactly. on his back and
0: grew it. Right, so. Yeah.
1: So, you know, I don't know. Just a just different interpretation maybe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I would like to hear from some of you what your thoughts are. And I really wish I remembered what, say, Derek Thomas said about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go back and, and revisit that a little bit. At this point, though— <laughs> the The canon of this podcast is that he yeah. is a, a pastor. Uh, and certainly, I mean, when the pastor is effective, it's not his eloquent words that are making these truths bear fruit and, and have an impact on the individual. It is the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So either way, you know, the Holy Spirit's very much in, involved. I have to imagine that if this guy was not on this road, having walked through this gate, that... Th- these pictures would have meant nothing to him and he wouldn't have cared to right. ask more questions and find out. It, it it very much reminds me of Jesus teaching, right? Where he says, He who has an ear, let him hear. And to some people it's gobbledygook. Yeah. And to other people, you know, Peter, it's the words of life. To whom shall we go? And the difference is the Holy Spirit, certainly. You're you're trying to um find something with which to gotcha me. I can see no, it. In no, your no, eyes. no, 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 it's not to gotcha you.
1: <laughs> I was trying to I was trying to find where exactly they talk about their specific role because they explicitly say that like they're there for the purpose of guarding the sheep. Yeah, right? it's like their their explicit declaration is that they are elders, mm-hmm. right? They are guarding the sheep against wolves and you know all of the false teaching and destructive heresies that come. From the outside. I was just trying to find out exactly where they said that. And, of course, didn't.
0: the word, I mean, the word poimen in the Greek that that we translate pastor means literally shepherd. Mm. Pastor means shepherd. Pastoral right. lifestyle means shepherding lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Out in the pasture with the sheep.
1: But, yeah, that Hebrews 13, 2 is an interesting scripture reference there. That they've been commanded by the Lord to not forget to be— To entertain Yeah, to entertain strangers, uh, yeah, yeah. Entertain strangers because— you know, in the words of the apostle who wrote Hebrews, Paul. some people have entertained.
0: Angels unawares. An, an, yeah. Angels unawares. In the and, King James. Angels. Are sure. Probably in the in the message, angels with no clue.
1: <laughs> Abraham did it, certainly. Yeah. Uh. In, well, including not only just angels, but also the angel of the Lord. Yeah. Obviously, he ministered to him as well. Manoah. I forgot. I, as well, right? Here. Does Lot know right away? that they're angels or are they just so. messengers? No, why, and then, and then he why, why would he protect them if you thought they were angels? Angels, right, yeah. Right, so like Lot, I mean, only a chapter difference too. Abraham, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's Genesis 18 and Lot, Genesis 19. So very, very close to each other. They're both ministering to angels, mm-hmm. maybe even the same two angels that were accompanying, right, the, the Lord. Lord. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's an interesting idea that they're even being careful to say, hey, you, know, you might be angels, so of course you can eat with us, but they still grill them.
0: Yeah, so there's a tension here of yeah. protecting our sheep from yeah. some who might slip in. So who are in you? In the epistolary language and welcoming people and being hospitable to them at the mm-hmm. same time. Uh, and, you know, I was thinking when, when I visited Israel, we got to go to this like Bedouin camp where uh, we were brought into this massive tent, sat on the floor on cushions around in the a circle. They served us the best coffee I've ever had in my whole life. Yeah. Uh, and we got to grill this guy through an interpreter. Uh, about his life, his lifestyle. And almost everything he talked about was the etiquette of hospitality. Right. And like, how if you just showed up there, sight unseen, they don't know you. You walk in. They actually wouldn't ask you any questions, I think for like three days mm. about who you are, where you come from, what you've done. And they'd feed you the whole time. Yeah. And like, there was all this stuff about, you know, as long as you didn't put your hand over your cup or whatever, they'd keep refilling it. And 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 like this notion of being a wandering Pastoral people, and yet putting such a high value on hospitality. You don't have a ton, but what you have, you share. Uh, that's a good picture of the church, I think. I think there's a reason why God chose this nomadic people. There's a number of reasons why, but that's one of them that it's a picture of the church that we, yes, we are strangers and sojourners, and still. We are called to, like, open our homes and and share what we have with those who don't have. Well,
1: again and again and again and again, that's the call of the gospel, right? And one of the modes of judgment that, you know, Jesus is going to use is, well, did you feed the people that needed feeding? Did you visit those in prison? Did you give water? Because that was me. Yeah. Oh, well, when did we ever see you? (laughs) Listen to what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, just do it. Maybe you are entertaining angels without knowing. Does it matter? No, your etiquette should be the same. Whether you're serving the angels or whether you're serving vagrants, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Who is it? Doesn't matter. You feed them, you clothe them. James talks about how it's false religion that will will close the door. And as we're closing the door, yeah. say, all right, be warm and be fed. <laughs> yeah. Bye. I'm not going to do it. Even though, especially us in the West, I mean, you know, you have yeah. the ability, you have the means.
0: But we have so disconnected and isolated ourselves from everyone else. Yeah, that shutting your door would be would presuppose you've opened it, and that's probably not even going to happen. Sure. And, and you know, I, I think that there... I don't want to get into, like, if you're not housing... Yeah. ...a certain number of homeless people in your house that you're yeah. a bad shame Christian. shame on you. We have a lot of modes by which we can help people. Yep. Um, and the church is a primary conduit of that mm-hmm. kind of help, and diaconates uh, ought to be about that kind of work. We recently, not to blow our own shofar. I didn't yeah. uh, have anything to do blow with loud. this. Uh, at our deacon's retreat, we have one every um, every winter at St. Francis Retreat Center. And it was decided we were going to have a big fundraiser to start a new fund in addition to our benevolence fund that was just for sheltering people who were in crisis because that's become such a big thing mm-hmm. uh, that there ought to be uh, a way that I as the pastor or the chair of the deacons, Davey, um, <laughs> no Crockett. one calls him Davy
1: Davy Crockett That's what I call him all <laughs> you the call time call him Davy All the time
0: <laughs> Well, I do too now yeah. um, We ought to be able to just pay for it And just mm-hmm. say, okay, yeah We're not going to let you sleep on the street We're not going to say, God bless you Be warm and well fed mm-hmm. And at the same time, we're, you know We're not going to uh, go against Second Thessalonians And say, you don't need to work We'll just let you leech off of this system That we've put in place Right but We're going to be very careful about it Just like these guys, they're grilling them And once they determine... You really are pilgrims. Then they open up a whole new level of interaction. It's not just come in and have a yeah. bite to eat. It's let's let's show these guys some of these wonders. And this is my favorite stuff in all the Pilgrim's Progress is these types of things: yeah. the Interpreter's House, anywhere where you know someone's showing mysteries and explaining them. It's so exciting to me. Yeah, you got a twinkle in your eye. What do you think about?
1: Them? Oh, uh, whenever we talk about like Mercy Ministries and stuff like that, I always think about. I think it's in 2 Corinthians, right? Where like Paul lays down that in order for a widow to receive help, she has to be at least 60. You're right. That's always an interesting idea. It's like, hmm, how do they come up with like, you know, you know, you know, why is this being written as like, well, this is the this is the standard for the mercy ministry for widows. She has to be at least 60 years old to receive from the church or something. Mm-hmm. And you look at that and you go, wow, what was that? What was that
0: about? It, why? Yeah. It's like when you see like yeah. the thing that says do not hang hangers from the, uh, fire extinguishers on the ceiling. You're like, Oh, there's a story behind that. Yeah. Somebody, mm-hmm. something happened and yeah. they didn't come up with that rule out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody probably was, uh, you know, if you're 28 and your husband died and say, well, I'm a widow now, put me on the rolls. And they yeah. say, hold on your able body. stuff you and, could do. And, yeah. You ought to, yeah. we'll help you get to that point, but yeah. you ought to be.
1: Could you uh, so tense? Right. If yeah. Paul can do it.
0: Yeah. You, you, you probably know, go, could do it. We'll yeah. give you Lydia's business card. Go mm. tell her you want a job and you'll sure. start at the bottom and yeah. she can pay really well because she's rich, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, yeah. It's it's interesting when, when you are in seminary and all your life is consumed in reading these books and all it's in theory. And you're like, I can't wait to get to a church and just do this stuff. Yeah. And then you get there and I mean, this is a fading memory for me, but uh, I remember being kind of disenchanted a lot of, you know, a lot of pastors wind up in a rural area right away or something. We're here in a transitioning neighborhood in a rather urban setting along a major road where, I mean, people, I don't think I had sat down in this office for more than an hour and a half before Mm -hmm. I had my first ding dong at the door and somebody with a story. Mm -hmm. And you start to realize there are a lot of people who are living by kind of leeching off churches, charities, agencies, et cetera, and you don't want to misuse the dollars that are given to God and put in the the plate. Right. And at the same time, you can't uh, become the arbiter of people's hearts. You don't yeah. know what's going on. You, Like you said, you haven't walked in people's shoes. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do. And we really have to, to lean on, I think, a multitude of people. That's why a diaconate is important, and the leading of the spirit, and here in this town, churches cooperating yeah. is a huge thing. So I already know if you show up at the the door here and you spent the last week going church to church to church and told each of them, I need 40 bucks for a hotel room so that my family won't be in the cold. And they, you know, five of them, get, I already know. Mm-hmm. You get here and I'm like, yeah, I I I know what you're doing. I know who you are and it's not going to work here, but I'd be happy to talk to you about Jesus.
1: Yeah. Yeah, let's pray about it.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, let's. Uh, it, it's a it's a fascinating thing.
1: Oh yeah, I wanted to ask you a little bit about making sincere a child, because because you're not given really their you know their features or right. what they look like or whatever. But but if I had to think of sincere, I'd think of yeah a childlike faith, a childlike wonder, and that being embodied with a child. You know, I was thinking with... more
0: of like a young like like a mm. young man, like a Timothy age man. Oh, okay, like like a you know he's 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 a youth. He's a lad. Mm. Uh, he's running around having fun with the sheep.
1: Yeah, yeah. It would, that's what kind of gives me the kitty right vibe. Yeah. Is that he, he's he still has that love of. I'm right, middle aged, and if you showed this, me some
0: sheep right now, I'd be running around with them too. Well, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, but I mean, like you didn't you didn't grow up around
0: right? Yeah, you know, this, this, like, this idea. Yeah. so this, he's he's presumably
1: still, yeah. he's just around these other oh, can. But if we're interpreting these people as pastors, it would be weird if he was a he was a child pastor. Right, right. He he could be be certainly
0: a a young, he's in a sense an apprentice, I think, Mm -hmm. to these others. And and I think my thought was just knowledge is very old and experience is older uh, than a a slightly younger guy. He was called watchful in the original. I'm like, we've already had a watchful. Come on, (laughs) Bunyan. So I called him sober. Uh, And then sincere. Sincerity is something that doesn't take a long time to develop. So I Mm -hmm. thought he would be the younger guy. And I like the idea of multi-generational, because, yeah. uh, you know, the very active shepherding is something that was passed on yeah. via praxis. You don't learn it by reading a book. You learn it by doing it with older people who know what they're doing. They know how to do the lambing. They know how to do the husbandry. They know how to kill the wolf. Yeah. And in the same way, I think ministry is best learned that way too. Sure. I'm all for education. I would not trade my seminary education for anything. But I really think I would have done better to have a couple of years of maybe supervised internship, mm. you know, under uh, a more skilled pastor, experienced pastor to help me get out of, you know, my pride out of the way, you know, you, when, when people show up at a church and think that they've got all the best ideas and, you know, the church is like, well, I love the zeal, go for it. Mm. Let's, let's temper that a little bit with some knowledge and experience. Yeah. Sincerity is good, mm. uh, but let's temper that with some watchfulness to watch against, you know, my own pride tripping me up or whatever. Uh, so I think that this, in in my mind, is a uh, the re- the reason Sincere should be younger is so that mm. we are, I mean, he, he's going to be the old guy yeah. someday, yeah. but but now he's, he's just following along and they, they leave him to watch yeah, the to sheep watch while sheep. they go bring him to yeah, show the wonders. He's not
1: the one revealing the wonders. Right. You know? yeah. He's, he's. He's putting in time. He's putting in time.
0: Yeah. In time. yeah. Uh, which Which of the wonders is your favorite? By the way,
1: I liked the last one. Right, the byway. Um, oh, yeah. They hated
0: it, but you liked it. They, well, it's <laughs>
1: the examples that are brought up are really, really interesting because hopeful talks about how he notices. Right, they were all pilgrims. Yeah. Um, at one point, right. So you know, if you have you know Esau in Genesis twenty five, you have Judas in Matthew twenty six, you have Alexander in First Timothy one twenty, and you have Ananias and Sapphira in... Acts 5, here are these examples across redemptive history of people that have walked a certain way along and then they've just betrayed truth mm-hmm. for Esau, his belly, Judas, his contempt and hatred for God and greed. Um, Uh, Right. Uh, Alexander just says that he just blasphemes, right? He just blasphemes the gospel Mm -hmm. completely, him and another guy. And uh, Paul casts them out to Satan. And then Ananias and Sapphira for, right, just the the praise of people. Yeah, the praise of men. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, We want to look like... Yeah. The rest of you without without actually having to, to deny ourselves. You could
1: add Deimos in there, I think, as well, mm-hmm. as, as, as someone who walks along Paul for this period of time and then just some point towards the end of Paul's ministry just walks away. Walks yeah. away because he's in love with the world. He loves uh, the
0: world. He loves wealth. He doesn't want any more of this stuff. What a, it didn't pay off like you thought it
1: would. Yeah. And, and, and that's such an interesting image that people could get so far along the way. Mm-hmm. And then- just divert. And then here they all are.
0: And for some reason it shakes our faith, even though the scriptures are full of these examples. Yeah. When someone is walking along the road for so long and that makes us, uh, if someone said, you know, are you certain this person's a believer? You'd be like, yeah, look at the fruit, look at their life, look at their track record. And then when they go off to the left or to the right, they go over the style, over the wall and you go, what just happened? I think going back to the scriptures and remembering, Paul had those moments too. Yeah, uh, Jesus had that moment. He knew, but but it still broke his heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, think of Jesus washing the feet of the guy who's about to deny him, mm-hmm. and washing the feet of the guy who's about to betray him. Well, and, they've both been with him that whole three and a half years, and
1: all the friends that will leave him, yeah, and run away, and not defend him, and not show up to his sentencing or anything, or try, or try and make an argument against. He isn't what you, you're you saying he is or any of these things, right? I mean, everyone there doesn't act as a friend acts. Um, and
0: yet those guys, the other mm-hmm. 11, remain faithful sure. pilgrims. Yeah. Uh, and he, there's a point at which Paul probably would have wanted to lump in John Mark with right. Alexander and Dimas. You know, he, he abandoned us mm-hmm. just when we needed him most. He, he wanted to go back. I'm not going to team up with that guy again. And Barnabas is going— Come on, yeah. give the kid a break. Again, yeah. this is the young apprentice kind of guy. This guy's probably, probably never had a job, right? Think about this. Paul, you go, okay, he was a tent maker and Paul was a Pharisee, a teacher, a famous teacher. He was an academic. He was kind of a lecturer. He had all these skills and he he held down a job and been something. Peter'd been a fisherman. Matthew'd been a tax collector. It's not a good job, but it was something. Mark probably... His first job was like missionary slash adventurer.
1: Right. That's
0: it. And so, yeah, give him some time to find his legs. And later on, of course, near the end of his life, Paul says, this guy's precious to me. He's yeah. so faithful to me. And I, and I love him. And they've been able to make up. And so, you know, there's this fascinating thing where there's room for somebody to almost appear to be going permanently off the the road, and then to find their way back. And we have to trust God to to do all that.
1: Well, it's like we talked about earlier, right? You know, like not severing relationships over misunderstandings or things that we don't see in a particular moment or value, right? Because like, presumably, right, he doesn't blaspheme the gospel because— Paul's perfectly okay with writing when someone does. Right, right. He doesn't abandon them for the love of money. And no, no, no. He's, he's just, homesick. It he, seems like he's right? homesick, or he genuinely feels that I'm not the guy for this. Mm. There's some other ministry. There's some other something that I could be doing in this particular moment, and Paul just doesn't have that. And he, we all have that thing where you know, well, everyone has to care about X issue. Because issue is the thing that's pressing against the church and it's the thing that's the most important right now. And if we're all not linking arms and fighting it, then, you know, is that even really Christianity and is that even really this? And it goes, well, can we afford to look like that? Because there's so many things going on around you.
0: Everyone's thing can't be your thing. Yeah. Or you would need 100 hours a day. If your thing's
1: cobalt mining and you want to bring relief to people, cobalt mining. I mean, it doesn't mean you don't care about abortion or something. But I mean, like. Yeah, maybe I n- need to go over there and not go do this thing. Or the it, same is true of
0: churches too, and this yeah. happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think I don't think I said on this this podcast. I was talking about this in our uh, Sunday school class not long ago. Some people came from another church here to bring clothing for our clothing center, right. which clothes tens of thousands of children. And and I can say that without boasting because I have very little to do with it. It's <laughs> run by uh, other wonderful Christians and people from many different churches. And. Well, they were here. I I said, what church are you from? We were chatting about their ministry. And I was saying how cool I thought it was that our uh, diaconate had Mm -hmm. been leading us into engagement with this homeless stuff, feeding the homeless, a lot of stuff. And they said, yeah, but do you go out into the parks at night and find the homeless and and go where they are and go to their camps and all this stuff? Because we do that.
1: Yeah.
0: and. I got a little bit sarcastic and answered in the flesh because I was, I was offended on behalf of my church that someone mm-hmm. was implying because we don't do the thing they do, their particular ministry that we're somehow lacking, even though we're all part of one church. Mm-hmm. They're an arm, we're a leg, they're an eye, we're a toe. Yeah. I don't care, whatever the case, all are needed. And I said, well, how do you have time to do that when you have four different uh, congregations meeting from you know four different continents of origin? And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, well, we do. Yeah. So we have a different thing. We reach out to refugees. We reach out to uh, churches that are, that are um, trying to get established with immigrant communities. That's one of our things. Mm-hmm. Uh, clothing these kids is one of our things. It's great for everyone to have a different... And, and people will divide over that. What's yeah. the most important? And if we differ on that Greek term, adiaphora, uh, you know, disputable matters. Okay. If we're going to dispute over something and yeah. that's going to split two brothers apart, then the flesh is involved, right?
1: Yeah, well, you know, if if Paul's honest accusation is that, well, you don't care about the Gentiles, you don't care about the gospel getting out, you don't care about this because you're leaving me in my time of need. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not true because as is going to be evidenced in his life, he does. He genuinely cares about the gospel. Maybe he's not expressing his care of the gospel in the exact same way that you'd have him do it, but that's not your choice, is it? Yeah, like it's yeah. And it's um,
0: interesting to me that you know, we have prescriptive and descriptive things in the scriptures. Yeah. Uh obviously when there's a descriptive thing the that's iffy, the skeptics and atheists want to come out of the woodwork and say, Look at that, your Bible promotes, you know, slaughter and all these different things. And we say, No, no, it's just something that happened. The Bible deals with the world as it is. Uh and the same is true even with the apostles. And so if we don't want to emulate Paul when he is kind of burning the bridge and Mm. saying, forget about John Mark. I will have nothing to do with him rather than trying to restore him. Mm. Do we want to emulate him when he is, uh, very plainly rebuking Peter to his face Mm. strongly in front of everybody. Right. And I've heard people say, well, no, 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 it's okay for me to do this on my blog and trash this person because look how Paul did this with these men from James, Uh, And and, and how Peter changed tables and he rebuked him. And it's like, no, 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 hold on. You don't have a command to do that. Hmm. And we don't know that that was the best way to do that. Hmm. Uh, It's it's a bit of a gray area where the spirit has to guide us.
1: Uh Yeah, so that one's my favorite. Which one's your favorite?
0: I think, um, now this isn't one of the wonders, but I love when they, after they've seen that, they try to Uh look... Through this sure. uh, glass, this contraption, and, and they're so shaky that they can sort of see. They're like, I think I see the gates. I definitely see the glory. Mm-hmm. And later on, of course, as they get closer, they have this device through which to look. And I have the shepherds giving it to them right here. Mm. Um, and, and I have it be kind of a glass that's darker. <laughs> you, know, the, yeah. you know, reference to through a glass, darkly seeing the, the glory. And later we'll be able to see it as it is in, all, in its fullness. Um, I love that moment. Uh, so the... The creepiest thing, I think, is these blind guys Uh, tripping over the tombs. I remember reading it as a kid and thinking it was goofy. And now I read it and I think...
1: Kind of horrifying.
0: It's horrifying. It really is. These guys have been blinded, which itself is just horrific. And they can't find their way out from amongst these tombs.
1: Yeah. It reminds me of the guy that Christiana sees in part two in the interpreter's house who's raking the muck with the muck rake. And there's the guy with the celestial crown over him mm-hmm. calling to him yeah. and he doesn't have an ability or a want or a desire to look up from his mud that he's just repeatedly raking. And yeah, you look at that and you just go, yeah, the the blindness of what it is to be worldly and fallen and and the inescapability of it, even even when you have images of glory and wonder and escape from sins and answer to uh, some of the realities that sin brings along, I don't want any of that. I just want to mess around with my muck down here. Yeah, it right? reminds a
0: little bit of that C.S. Lewis quote about people at the seaside. Sure, yeah. Uh, that are making the, like, mud pies and mm-hmm. stuff. I think that that, by the way, when we were blessed to see Alistair Begg Preach. Mm-hmm. I think he said that was his favorite image. I think it was Alistair mm-hmm. Begg who said that from, from all of The Pilgrim's Progress. That that little
1: It's a strong image.
0: Deep cut from part two. It mm-hmm. really is. It's it's like it's not disturbing. beautiful, but it's yeah, clear. It's the clarity of it and the the astuteness. There's a, a complicating factor here though. The mm. reason they're blind
1: is because of the giant despair, yeah. The
0: giant despair, and this tells us new stuff about him. Like he doesn't yes. always just yeah. kind of starve you of hope and then feed you to his wife. Sometimes if he gets too frustrated, he just puts your eyes out and then drops you off here, knowing that the rest of your life is going to be spent tripping over tombs and maybe stuck he's, in the midst of death.
1: Maybe he's waiting for them to get ripe. Maybe it's like a different kind of marinade. You know, <laughs> Gosh, you know you have the marinade down in the down in the dungeon and that's one way the wife likes it. But you know, sometimes she likes it where they, you know, they wander around the tombs and are unable to escape for a while. And then she likes to eat them up.
0: And, and that, of course, is a picture, a very literal picture of this this passage, Proverbs twenty-one sixteen. Do you have that one?
1: He who wanders away from the understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead.
0: Quite literally. Yeah. They've wandered away from understanding. They've gone over the... And and the shepherds don't know their backstory. Mm. They're like, did you notice that style? Yeah. And they say, yeah, we, we saw it. Yeah. And then they tell them this horrifying thing that happened. And Christian and hopeful say nothing. They're not like, yeah, that almost happened to us. They're just kind of... Weighed down by it.
1: Well, and probably overtaken with a deeper sense of thankfulness that that wasn't what became of them. Yeah. Because in the beginning of this chapter, they're already thankful, right? Food already tastes wonderful, even though it's just some greenery boiled in some water. It's still wonderful because it's better than what we had. But now when you realize just the amount of despair that you could have been facing, what words are there other than thankfulness, other than silent prayers of praise? that you had a promise sewn into you you were able to escape
0: so neither of our favorite <laughs> was was these uh dead guys dashed to bits at the bottom of the hill error um uh, the the by the way the the thing that they saw with the men all amongst the tombs was from the hill caution mm-hmm. which yeah that's so, so it starts really dark and then it seems like it's getting a little bit less dark we're like oh this mm. is just a caution now and then it gets even darker and then we go to hell opening yeah. a door to hell yeah <laughs> And this is not, by the way, the last uh byway to hell we're going mm-hmm. to find. I mean they, these roads to hell pop up, you know along the, the narrow way. way is
1: dangerous, yeah, you know, yeah. You know? It, if you, you find could... it and few stay on it,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. so some of these guys have made it not just this far but beyond this mm-hmm. uh, and 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 then somehow gotten back into this byway to hell for hypocrites. The other one, on the Hill Error, they just look down and they see a bunch of people dashed to pieces that have remained unburied to this day so they can serve as a warning... Uh, and they are, this may be for, for some listeners, a real deep cut from the New Testament. Uh, have you not heard of those who were led into error through their listening to Hymenaeus and Philetus with regard to the faith of the resurrection of the body, meaning they're the doctrine, the teaching about the resurrection of the body. And they say, yes. And he's like, there they are. These are the guys. Uh, And that, of course, comes from 2 Timothy 2. I'll read verses 16 through 18. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Hmm. That's an interesting, that, that last little bit there. Naming the name of the Lord is not enough. Jesus said as much. Not everyone who says Lord, the Lord, Lord yeah. uh, is going to, we had turn away last week, and we'll see turn away again, I think, in two chapters. Turn away, certainly, Lord, Lord certainly did great deeds uh, in the name of Jesus and, and uh, even prophesied and did miracles, but he didn't turn away for good from iniquity. Uh, so that reveals him for what he is, an apostate, a, a false brother. And here, these two guys have a different error. It is to teach nonsense. Jesus already returned. I mean, there are cults right now teaching just that. Hmm. They come door to door. Yeah, <laughs> You know, they started, <laughs> the, the, the main one, uh, I'm going to name it, the Jehovah's Witnesses yeah. started uh, with a prediction Jesus would return at this time by a radio preacher who was zealous for the gospel and then the day came and went and he said oh well I did the math wrong and it's coming up soon it's I I got the year wrong and then they go back and prepare and it doesn't happen again and he says you know what forget it I was wrong and yet you have so many people bought into this that they say he did come back it was an invisible return. Mm. Uh, everything changed. Yeah. Uh, you just didn't notice because you you're, aren't one of us. Mm. And out of that is born something that's going to lead millions and millions of people right over that cliff of error. And they're going to find themselves outside of Christ at yeah. the last. And wow, what a horrible thing to come out of what you might think of if you were not a Christian as details. Mm. Okay. Yeah. You all believe that this Jesus died on a cross and rose again. You all believe in a second coming. Some of you think it already happened. Some of you think it's going to happen. And I don't think anybody's talking about um, preterists here, Mm -hmm. those who who want to tie historical uh, events to some of Jesus teaching about the end times. That's not what I'm talking about. If you believe in any form of future coming of Christ, Mm -hmm. you haven't fallen into this um, this deal because the resurrection of the dead is going to happen when Christ returns. But to say it's already happened is just so confusing that these two guys with their funny names (laughs) actually have blood on their hands. Yeah. And that is a a really stark warning for people who want to, and you know, I've been on the receiving end of a lot of stuff like this. People uh, having fun with goofy interpretations of the Bible, doing a lot of time on YouTube, watching a lot of crazy wacky videos where people tie this event to this thing and this t- teaching to this thing and just make them up as they go. Yeah. And it's, it's par- primarily, I think new believers who tend toward this stuff thinking it's just a fun game. It's just a mad lib. It's mm. just, you know, whatever I'm, I'm reading the Bible. So it must be good. And yet whew, if you lead someone astray, if you lead a, one of these little ones into sin, we know what Jesus said about that. Better for you yeah. that you have a millstone tied around your neck and be cast into the sea.
1: Yeah. Again and again, right, the warning. One is, I think, right, the pressure put on teachers to be correct mm-hmm. in what you're teaching, which means that- which yeah, higher standard, yeah. Yeah. Less time on YouTube and more time in the scriptures. Yes. <laughs> um,
0: Little ships should stay close to harbor, something that my mm-hmm. mentor, Michael Whitmer, used to say.
1: Yes, absolutely. You don't, you don't belong out there in the weeds. And uh, it reminds me of that warning at the end of Titus. Where the people that are coming to bring up divisions and they want to talk about genealogies and, and works righteousness and this and that have warned them twice and then have nothing to do with them. Yeah. Out they go because they're leading people to destruction and that's all they're going to do. So, yeah, just the just the oddness of the – again, like you said, little detail to be so destructive and to, and, and to create such a schism and to lead people – Openly and willingly to hell, just throw themselves in there with all of the wisdom of the world and all of the promises of false teaching and false angels of light, even with, you know, most of these, they get their beginnings with a visitation from an angel. Right? Mm, yeah. Saying, well, here you go. Here's the here's the truth. Here's some glasses uh, to wear. Yeah. You can read this
0: in a language that doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. Here you go, buddy. You are equal opportunity cult yeah. <laughs> smashers over here. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Odd, but destructive nonetheless. These shepherds have to be on guard and every single minister has to be on guard. And I think, I think if you're in a teaching position, like leading other people, you have to make sure that you are rightly interpreting scripture and not falsely dividing the word. But you're teaching all of it, and it doesn't leave a place for goofy, silly, oh, this religion's been around for 2,000 years, but I'm the first person to think of this.
0: Right, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm, I, this has never been thought of before, I can promise you. Really? <laughs> Hasn't it?
0: I have some new ideas yeah. about the Bible, translation. Yeah. I hold to some old heresies about mm-hmm. the Bible. Right? Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. We, are, we are not as clever as we think we are as humans. And I think that I think that that is continually expressed in this kind of stuff. Where it's not just them that have thrown themselves over; it's the Smiths and the um, uh, what was that woman's name? White,
0: Ellen G. White.
1: Yeah, with the with the reestablishment of work salvation through mm-hmm. diet and, and stuff. Where you go, yeah, just corpses down in the bottom of this cliff, telling you you can save yourself. And there's new ones cries. every
0: day. Yep. And there are, there are some new, newer ones that are incredibly popular right mm-hmm. now and, and really good at leveraging social media where people are, they're holding on, they're, they're reading the Bible. And people's pain, yeah. But they're holding on really, really tight to these just wonky, untested ideas smugly mm. as though I see through all of your thousands of years of misinterpretation yeah. to the truth. And I can't believe that you don't. This is why I think the the shepherds had to be so careful to yeah. ask enough questions. It's why Goodwill asks what he does at the gate. Yep. And it's, it's important that we lay on no foundation but the foundation that is Jesus Christ and that we build on what has already been built. You know, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel, spiritually speaking, with every new convert. That's... Mm-hmm. I don't think I could have come up with a good wheel. And, and <laughs> look at the technology we have right now for tires and right. stuff. Uh, so they go on their way then after they've had a look. So they, they go on their way after they've had a look through this kind of telescope, this, uh, this glass, and they see the shaky image. And they're given gifts as they leave. Each of the mm-hmm. shepherds gives them something. Some of them are tangible, and some of the things are, are more just uh, a gift of wisdom for you.
1: Yeah, and a couple of them are going to come right away. Right? Right. And they're going to fail right away to use them. Yes. yes. You'd think we'd learn, <laughs> right. right? They're given They're given written instructions of the way ahead. They were cautioned about flatterer. They were told to take care not to sleep on enchanted ground. And then, of course, they're given Godspeed. Yeah. Wish them Godspeed. You know, yeah. yeah now, so, the
0: the first one is called a note of the way. Mm-hmm. And... I didn't ever really know what to make of that. And I've looked through a number of different commentaries and updated translations and things. And it seems to be divided between Mm. this is either a way of saying they were given some written instructions, you know, map quest (laughs) through the way, (laughs) uh, which should essentially just say, stay on the narrow way. Mm -hmm. Or they're given a map of some kind. I went with that because I think it's going to be fascinating that they're going to come to a fork in the road shortly. Mm. And instead of... Oh, get off that map, or let's try looking through that device that we were given and see if we can see anything. They—they they just and
1: we know we're looking out for somebody,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and yes. we know that you know there's a there's a guy called the flatterer. We haven't been given any details, yeah, but there's somebody that we need to be aware of, mm-hmm. uh, and yet uh, we're just gonna go. Huh? This guy says to go this way. He looks he, his garment looks like he's trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Why not follow him?
1: Yep, right on off the path.
0: Which is just absurd. So yeah, they have in their possession more than you could want. Mm. Uh, but when you get to a fork in the road, stay on the narrow way. And, and I think it's important that they get there because yes, there is one narrow way. There's one way and one truth and one life, but there are times in the Christian life where you're like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. And you really have to stop and say, okay, I need to study these instructions. I need to study this. I need to ask for godly counsel. I need to pray about this do at length. Prayer
1: late. and fasting. Right? If, if yeah. this
0: whole thing had just been following one road, it wouldn't ring true for a lot of people's experience in the Christian mm-hmm. life, I think, because there are forks where you're like, one of these ways is right. I'm not talking about, do I take the job in Tulsa or the one in Akron and probably either of them would be within, you know, the circle of God's will. You're not sinning either way. I'm talking about, you know, situations where you say, I'm not sure of this teaching I'm not Mm. sure about whether to stay at this church or leave, you know, and you need God's insight. You need to pray for wisdom, knowing you've been promised wisdom when you pray for it. And (laughs) right away, this guy is just like, hey, where are you headed? Celestial City, it's this way. And they go, oh, good thing you wandered by. Yeah. Or we would have still been staring at this. What are the chances?
1: (laughs) Because oftentimes in this story, when people just happen upon us. You know, it it ends up good.
0: Were you being sarcastic? Yeah. Okay. Because there are some times when it's just the right moment and the right person comes by. Help oh. is one example. Yes. But then there's a worldly wise man, mm-hmm. And then there's, yeah, there's all, all sorts of examples. There's more examples, I think, of someone trying to lead them off the path than keep them on and keep them safe.
1: Well, that's life. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and it's interesting just, you know, quickly to touch on the conversation they just had with ignorance. They have a very, very short character that kind of comes in named Ignorance. And He's going to be with us to the very, yeah. very end of the story. Yeah. This is his his big moment. You know, right before, right, right before they start having this conversation with, well, I guess spoilers, right? Flatterer. Flatterer. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: The guy they warned him about, Flatterer, this is, this him. is him. This is the guy. Yeah.
1: But, you know, they're having this conversation with ignorance and they're kind of like getting on him about, oh, well, you're not doing things right. Well, don't you know right. you're supposed to do this? Don't you know? This? Oh, you know what? Maybe we should maybe we should leave him for a time so he can really soak in the knowledge yeah. that we're giving him.
0: Look at us knowing how to discern yeah. when to answer the fool according to his folly and when not to answer him lest we become like him. Man, we have really made it far. We're way, way down the line. Mm. We've seen the gates. Yeah, We're kind of, I don't want to say super Christian. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a bit of a big deal.
1: And they flex on him. It, it's, it's interesting. They bring up, well, you didn't come in the wicked gate. That's an issue. So obviously he hasn't been to the cross because Bunyan obviously famously has the wicked gate before the cross. Yeah. And that means that, yeah, he's a thief and a robber, which is exactly what Jesus said in John 10, 1, that anyone who comes after or doesn't go through the sheep's way is a robber and a thief. And it's also interesting that when they ask him how he knows he's going to be led into the city, all of his answers are works.
0: Yeah, how are you going to get in? Is, like all good men.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, did, I know? I know my Lord's will.
0: And I left I, my hometown. To yeah, come yeah. Here.
1: I don't owe anyone any debts. I pray. I fast. I pay tithes and give alms. Give alms yeah. And to me, it does sound like the Matthew seven twenty one people, where their moment of testing should be. I know I'll be let in because of what Christ did for me. I know I'll be let in because I've repented of my sins and I put my faith in him. Right. No, no. no. His answer, just like the people in Matthew seven, twenty-one, is look at our works. Our works look at what we've done. They have to let us in. I've given a lot to the poor, or I've cast out demons, or I've spoken in tongues, or I pay alms. You have to let me in. I've done so much.
0: Now you've mentioned Matthew twenty-five already, though, today, in which Jesus does look at their works. Mm. And it is a distinguishing factor between the sheep and the goats. Mm. I think there's an acknowledgement that God will look at our having proved our you know, salvation
1: mm-hmm.
0: via our fruit. God looking at that, mm-hmm. not us. Yeah, that's not, you know, and, and I'll tell you, I've had Christians that are in their 80s that have been Christians since they were children on their deathbed. And I always ask this question, even though I know it's going to offend, and I just say right off the gate, I I, I would be, this would be spiritual malpractice if I didn't. Yeah. When you stand before God and he asks you, why should I let you into my heaven? What will you say? Mm. And I've had, uh, it, so it blew my mind. I've heard a lot of different answers, some great, some eh, and some terrible. And one time it just blew my mind because this woman was such a pillar of faith in everyone's eyes saying, I would just say, because I've loved, I've loved so well. I, I always love people. I love, love, love. Hmm. And I had to say, okay, we got to go back to the very beginning. Yeah, Love is the law, hmm. right? Jesus is asked, how do I uh, get eternal life? And he said, well, what does the law tell you? And the answer is boiled down, you know, to the 10 commandments, which can be boiled down to two commandments, love God and love neighbor, which can be boiled down just the idea of love. If you can love your way into heaven, you have kept the law perfectly, Right. Jesus asked that question to show you that you cannot mm. that if you're going to try and love your way into heaven the moment you imperfectly love someone for a moment you've ruined it you've yeah. shattered it instead you don't need more law even if it's you know painted with hearts and and looks really nice you need gospel you mm. need to you need to only ever say i throw myself at the mercy of god for the sake of jesus christ yeah Christ took my sin, gave me his righteousness, clothed me in this embroidered coat, put this mark upon my forehead, and that's why I should be granted access on Christ's behalf, not on my own. You know, you can belong to a lot of churches a long time, including, obviously, even this one, where teaching has been as clear as can be, uh, as well as I can do it, Mm -hmm. and where... Pastors before me have preached the gospel boldly and clearly and faithfully, and you can just keep on somehow leaning on your own works and the Mm -hmm. notion of your own good heart and all the rest. And you can wind up like ignorance at that gate and someone says, what do you have to show? Mm -hmm. And you don't have anything to show. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Dirty rags. What what is it? It's it's dirty rags, it's a pile of dung. Mm -hmm. Here it is, I think it's diamonds, yeah, and he says this is scubula. Mm-hmm. That's the Greek word scubalon, uh, scubula as it's inflected there. And to me, that's that's such a great word because it almost is on a I don't know why, but something about it—it it sounds like like it's gonna be—it's gonna mean poop, and it does. <laughs> it's a huge pile of Scooby Doo, Scooby Doo, doo. Mm. right? Scubula is not gonna get you in because all your love that you have is selfish, mm. even when you don't realize it. If it's coming from the flesh, it's, it's wicked, it's tainted. I just said tainted, tainted love. Now I'm going to have his 80s song bum, in my bum. mind all day. <laughs> yeah. But in my mind, it's sad that they don't take the time to just, instead of being kind of uppity about it, looking down their noses at this guy saying, let's take some time to just talk about it with Point him. Point to the cross. Yeah. So
1: this is where we need to be checking for a burden. Is there even a burden on his back? Is there even a sense of sin really? Or does he just is he just so justified in his mm. own works, in his own mind, that yeah, the spirit hasn't even begun to pull at his heart yet and say, mm, these aren't that great. You're actually yeah. not in a great standing before God right now. You're actually in the worst place you could be.
0: And yeah, maybe the none right to, to leave him. I mean, I, I was about to say faithful would have probably been a better person to lead him where he needs to go, but when faithful encountered hopeful. Hopeful was already convicted. He already readily said, I've tried all this stuff. I've tried all the, the work stuff and none of it lasted. None of it really worked. And Faithful's like, right, you're exactly where I need to have you to, to bring the gospel to you. Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, maybe I'm being, the hopeful would know if this guy was similarly in the right place to hear the gospel. Well, and so maybe he does need some time to, to digest it.
1: Yeah, they quote Proverbs twenty six twelve. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more help for a fool than for him. Mm. So like they're already of the understanding that this guy is so self-assured no matter what we bring up, he's already going to, oh, I don't need that. And his response already has been, well, you practice the religion of your land, yeah. and I'll practice the religion of mine. Just like Formalist and Hypocrisy said. Yeah, exact, exact. Exactly, exactly what they said. So they already have this idea that this guy isn't going to hear anything we say. Is this just pearl amongst swine? Is this just taking moments that we're refreshed and we're supposed to be making strides towards the celestial city, and we're going to just waste time having this conversation with a guy who's just going to bounce right off of him. He doesn't care. And
0: of course the great irony becomes that if he had stayed with them, he'd have Mm. wound up in a net. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good for him that he didn't. Uh, These two guys, we end the chapter with them in the net with great danger on its way, the destroyer to come and find them not at their best, yep. not you know at the very beginning of the chapter, Christian says to these stout brigands or whatever Bunyan calls them, "You haven't stumbled upon me while I'm sleeping or wandering <laughs> around unarmed. You've yeah. come across me. I'm ready to go. Are you sure you want a piece of me?" Mm-hmm. I think of that moment in uh, before Amazon ever made a Jack Reacher TV show, Tom Cruise made a couple movies. Where this tiny little guy plays this enormous uh, sure. literary character. Yeah, uh, literary maybe a little generous. But this character. Uh wow. but, but in the Tom Cruise, Yeah, I mean this yeah. is, these kind of Clive Cussler type books. I mean, they're entertaining, but they're not literature. But uh, I do appreciate the the movie, that first one especially. There's a moment where he he comes out of a bar and there's a bunch of guys waiting to jump him and he says, sure. I want you to remember you wanted this. Mm. And then he Tom cruises them all into unconsciousness. Yeah. Uh, and and so Christians maybe a little bit puffed up from this moment where he, he almost had the one liner where he said, you wouldn't recognize the value of this treasure if it smashed you in the face. But then he couldn't smash the guy in the face until later in the fight. And he's had the moment of telling them get lost and they have to, you know, drag this guy hopping on one leg and this other guy whose you know, neck is probably all messed up now and, and they leave and he stops and gives thanks to God, but you can give thanks to God mm. in a very puffed up way. Yeah. Look at Jesus parable of the tax collector yep. and the the Pharisee who who thanks God that yeah. he's great. Mm-hmm. And so perhaps Christian should have taken that moment instead of just to thank God for how great things are going to humble himself. Mm. And maybe if he'd done that at the end, he'd be in a little better position. Any other thoughts on on this uh, what will happen next? Yeah. Tune in next time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, sure. I'm just, I don't want people to be worried. They get out of the net, all right? Oh. But then they get a little bit of a spanking. Yeah and that and that's all I'm gonna say about that. But that will be next time. In the meantime, be careful not to follow flatterers. Be careful not to go up to the top of the hill error and take a header off of it and certainly above <laughs> all else, stay on the narrow way. Thanks for listening. To support this program and for additional content and perks, visit patreon.com slash pilgrim's progress. Make sure you don't miss a beat by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. And please take a moment to leave us an honest review. This recording copyright 2022 high and silver, all rights reserved. Produced by Brad Acheson and Zachary Bartles. Theme music licensed from pond5.com. Scripture quotations are from the ESV Bible, the Holy Bible English Standard Version, copyright 2001 by Crossway a publishing ministry of good news publishers used by permission all rights reserved for more audio experiences of my fiction visit slash audio hi and silva God challenge yeah.